I plug gaps with people as well in my team. So very consciously look for people that are different to me, have the skills that I don't have, and hopefully we can complement one another in that way. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome, Lauren, to the Building Doors podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on. We've been talking to you a couple of months now, just trying to line something up in everyone's busy schedules. I just wanted to tell the audience a little bit about you so that they can, I guess, know a bit of your backstory and then we'll delve in and learn and chat more. So Lauren is currently the pre-contracts manager for John Holland's infrastructure business and she leads the team that fuels the overall sustainability of the business for the development and delivery of successful work-winning outcomes. She's also recently founded a networking community, Springboard. Springboard is a network of like-minded professionals and motivated individuals who come together to uplift and propel their careers forward and will facilitate relevant, intelligent conversations to open your mind to the possibilities and scale of the success in your own career. With degrees in civil engineering, marketing, public relations, Lauren has close to 15 years experience in the construction industry. Lauren is an active member of the industry, currently undertaking the role of Deputy Chair of the Infrastructure Association of Queensland and a National Director of the National Association of Women in Construction since 2021 and has recently commenced her Master of Construction Law at the University of Melbourne. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Lauren. You've certainly led through passion through your voluntary work and now you've founded the Springboard Co., which is another networking event. I always love seeing your posts pop up in my feed and I'm really looking forward to sharing a little bit more around your journey and your passions and your interests with the audience today. Give us a bit of an overview. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Okay, no worries. Thank you so much for that intro. Seems a little long-winded, but (laughs) appreciate all true. All all true. (laughs) I joined construction industry about 15 years ago by accident, like how a lot of women kind of (laughs) end up here, I think, sometimes. So I had did my first degree in sports management, leisure management, which was ironic since I moved away from that with a lot of the boys getting the jobs. So then ended up in construction from there. I did my master's in public relations to try and build on the sports management side of things and then was able to commence into marketing from that. Mm -hmm. And that was my first job in construction. So I was a business development coordinator Mm -hmm. for a smaller construction company on the Gold Coast and then was made redundant from that role in about 13 months and so kind of felt lost again then but was able to build on that back into construction and took another role there as a marketing coordinator and then from there did my engineering degree stuck it out for a few more years and kept moving on through so that was kind of how I started to really find my feet in the construction industry and when I did the engineering degree I likened that to learning a language or learning the language of the people around me I felt there was something there that I was really interested in, but I wasn't quite able to convert that into real knowledge or something that I was taken seriously for. Mm. Unfortunately, probably one of my, not my greatest traits is to wanting to constantly get the piece of paper or get that thing that makes it seem so legitimate that I'm worthy of being here. Mm. And I say that unfortunately, because I'm the one who ends up having to do all the work (laughs) to then go and get that piece of paper. So 
when I went forward to do the engineering degree, I reached out to my supervisors at the time, told them my plan. They sort of said, you don't need to do that. We can teach you mm. everything you need to know for the role that you're undertaking. Mm. But again, that's not usually the way that, that I like to go about things. So then, like I say, jokes on me, sort of took four years to complete while working full time. Mm-hmm was able to do it through the University of Southern Queensland, so completely online. So that was great. And then now, like you mentioned, using the Masters of Construction Law in a very similar way, see a gap in my own development around that legal and that commercial aspect of the role that I undertake. Mm. Again, not necessarily something I do all by myself, always flanked by lawyers, always have the commercial team with me when negotiating final contracts. But I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could have a little bit greater competence and confidence in Mm. what I'm talking about in these parts of the negotiation. And then together with the professionals, if you like, we can take it to the next level and be just that little bit more agile and and effective in in negotiating out our final contracts. So again, only two subjects into eight there. So early days, only got accepted in August of last year. So trying to work through it as efficiently as I can have to go physically to the University of Melbourne to do each subject. So it's a little bit trying yeah, uh, with family commitments and those sorts of things, but very well supported there. Yeah. Awesome. I think feel like when you're talking about, you say it's a piece of paper, but I'm also seeing this pattern of like you're, you're noticing a gap or something you want to know. And instead of, and I think a lot of people know that they might have that gap in their knowledge, but you'll go out and seek it mm-hmm. and go out and seek to study and learn, where do you think that curiosity or thirst for learning comes from? I think I've always done well learning, if that makes sense. I've always been able to, I suppose, listen and gain understanding from a concept that's being taught to me. Mm. I also see it as quite a comfortable place, being able to ask questions, don't Mm. understand, can you go again, Mm. talk me through this. When I'm in a learning environment, Mm. I find it much more like I say, comfortable to ask the questions, then if I liken that to, say, real world where you feel like you're on your own and you might be leading a team and maybe not feeling like you can ask those questions, you have to have the answers. So I find that if I move myself into that learning phase, even when I'm in those leadership positions, Mm. then we're all kind of growing a little bit better together. So I'm trying to take a lot of that ability or capability to learn and putting it in when I'm actually leading a team or need to be the one with the answers so that we're just all growing and learning at the same time. I love that because leaders are always learning and great leaders are always learning and continually trying to add new ways of doing things to their Mm. toolkit or new skills. Mm. You've obviously been able to identify gaps, identify a career direction and then study and help yourself get there. When you look at others, because obviously you would manage teams and Mm. lead teams as well, so when you look at people coming through the industry, what advice would you give around, you know, building a career in this industry, in any industry really, how do they get that mindset or what advice would you give for someone wanting to build doors in their own life? It's that self-awareness of where your gaps are. So for me, I know I have other gaps that I am yet to plug and even when you do feel like you've got the piece of paper or you have had a single experience or a handful of experiences, you're not the expert in whatever that thing might be. So I plug gaps with people as well in my team. So Mm -hmm. very consciously look for people that are different to me, have the skills that I don't have, Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can complement one another in that way. I've got a lot of really senior people in my teams that have a lot more experience in the industry than I do. Mm -hmm. And it's just the way that we've worked out that we're in the structure we're in. Mm -hmm. But it isn't that kind of leader 
role, if you like. It's not like I'm the boss, but <laughs> it kind of is on paper. But they know the role that they play for me in my job and what I do and vice mm. versa for them. So it's constantly that environment of as a team, what are we going to get done mm. this year or mm. this month or just today? For people coming through, my biggest advice always to our grads when we do grad onboarding, which mm. is two-year programs typically for most construction organisations, is make sure you ask questions. No one actually expects you to know anything. Mm. We all know when we left uni, we knew nothing <laughs> yep. compared to what you actually learn when you're on the job for years and years and years. So you will just stuff up if you pretend to know everything and you'll yeah. probably make a huge problem for yourselves and everybody around you and you just need to be that sponge. You need to be asking lots of questions, taking it all on board. A lot of people give the advice of you should say yes to all the opportunities so when you talk about the doors, just keep walking through them all. Mm. Don't know that that's 100% always the right way mm. for every person. There'll be some people that do that quite successfully mm. and others that might get themselves into a situation that they're not actually comfortable and, and burn themselves out or mm. maybe even worse, leave the industry, mm. which we certainly don't want. So I find that acting curious, being at the level that you're meant to be at and, mm. and owning that mm. is the safest place for you to learn. Mm. And like I said, I get comfort in that learning environment. And if you can really open it up to everyone and say, hey, just ask. The whole no dumb questions Mm. thing that everybody says and no one really believes, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Because the amount of times I've asked a question someone else has gone, someone more senior than me, I was just about to say that, or <laughs> I have no idea. Mm. And where this industry of acronyms, no one knows what most of them mean. <laughs> They're like, I can't remember the A, but the first two letters are something like this. It's either association or Australia. <laughs> That's genuinely real-life yeah. conversations. Yeah. I've been I think you had an acronym before we started and yeah. I was like, Lauren, what's that acronym? <laughs> and I was like, let me just check. <laughs> I think it's good to ask the questions and I think it's great that you talk about not needing to know everything. Mm. And I think there's something about being an inclusive leader and being able to allow people the ability to fail mm. or not know and give it a crack or ask the questions and not have that fear of having to pretend they know everything before they do, especially grads. Absolutely. And then even... What I'm also seeing is a lot of grads asking some pretty hard questions that the leaders even find themselves questioning what that response would be mm. or why is it we do it this way? Perhaps there is a smarter way. We're quite mm. a slow evolving industry in construction. I always liken us with like a dinosaur basically <laughs> and uh, very difficult to change and a lot of that comes because of risk and, and it is hard to innovate on things that are of a physical nature in the sense of how we need infrastructure to perform and, yeah. and how, like I say, safety, risk, quality, all mm. those sorts of things. We can't compromise on that. We can innovate around it but not at the expense of it. So mm. it is hard for us to shift into that mindset. But when you're being challenged by somebody who's 25, 30 years your junior in, in your experience of the project, of the industry, sorry, it is hard for a lot of people to take that challenge on mm. from someone so young. And therefore, would that person be reluctant to give it in the first place? And I think probably yes. Yeah. But then you're demonstrating as well. I mean, with AI and so much technology advancement coming through, I think that is that need. And they talk about that reverse mentoring mm. and things like there is that need for people that have been in industry for a long time to listen and take advice or ideas or insights from those generations coming through, which I think is really mm. interesting too. And even thinking in infrastructure, construction, what does the future look like? How are we going to be using roads? How are we going to be using our assets in the future? And if younger people are telling us, I don't want a car, 
or I see myself only ever getting the bus. And these different mindsets from perhaps always wanting to have a car, always wanting to drive to work, I don't do public transport, this is a bit of a Brisbane thing. Mm. But now if we're listening to sort of the emerging professionals coming through, they're much greener thinking in the way that they want to go forward and we as infrastructure and the people spending the money need to be considering how things are going to get used in the future. And if we're not listening Mm. to that next generation coming through, you'll miss it and we'll build the same thing we want. Yeah, yeah. No, very true. I really want to delve into a bit more around, I think teams and great teams is such a common theme in, I think it's in construction, but I think it's in businesses in general, Mm. in construction, in infrastructure, how to build a great team. And and I think obviously you've talked a lot about them being comfortable asking questions and things like that. But I'm really interested as well in what are the values you look for when you're building a team? Mm -hmm. Because everybody going in that one direction it's a tricky thing to get right as well. So mm. tell us more around when you're building a team yourself, mm-hmm. you strike me as someone that's very curious in nature, very, you've got that thirst for learning and things like that. I'd love to know when you're building a team, what do you look for? Mm. I think my biggest thing is obviously skill set because I was talking before about we need to ensure we have all the yes. gaps plugged. So there's that aspect. But really because of the changing face of, I suppose, infrastructure and and how we work Mm. in business life in general. Empathy for another person's life, if that makes sense. So empathy for what their home life looks like. Empathy for the way they work each day. Is it are they a morning person? Do they have to go for a walk at lunch? Do we see them working till later in the evening because that's when they're on, if you like. Yeah. And can we be much more receptive to the ways different people work? Mm. And the only way I can describe that is is this empathy. So you might have myself with a young family and what that means for me. Mm. So that's probably generally drop-offs and Mm. and we'd split that 50-50 with my husband, but we can do after-school care. So the afternoon is okay, but Mm. I'm a morning person. I get up really early and I like to punch out a lot of work there too. But what I do is I set all those emails on a timer mm. that releases them at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning because I don't want to ruin anyone's morning with my email about what's up next <laughs> when they're just trying to have their breakfast. So it's that empathy in working when works for you mm. but then not enforcing that on others for, for what works with them. But also not just about work times but what might be going on in their life also a lot of construction people or the type of people that we have in construction, very private as mm. well. Mm-hmm. You don't get a lot of oversharers like me. Mm. And that even my oversharing to some people are like, I'm like, you don't have to tell me this stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the guys in my team is like, yeah, I'm never sharing that back. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> and I've worked with bosses for 10 years. I've never known the names of their kids mm. because they just don't hmm. offer that. I could mm. ask and they would tell me mm. and they probably have. But because we don't then continually talk about that, you've just got to respect all those different boundaries that people put in place for themselves and mm. what work is to them because mm. the work-life balance is different. Some people might appear to have your version of poor work-life balance, but they mm. probably think the same about you. Mm. So you need to not enforce your own, yeah, I guess, home values on everybody else and leaving that open. Yeah. So that's probably one of the key ones for me, making sure that we can gel as a team in that home life space, if that makes sense, without forcing yourself on other people. But the skills gap is important and then Mm. you need to have respect for each other and whatever's going on day to day. I think it's interesting that you talk about as well 
and I think this delves into flexibility as well, mm. that it is a different solution for everybody. Some people are really happy working really long hours mm. and they, they don't really have a reason that they want to go home. They just love, love that and would prefer to do that, but then not be bothered at night or on the weekends. Yes. Other people might want to jump on a Sunday and do a couple hours in the afternoon because they have kids' hobbies. I'm not naming any names, Lauren, <laughs> um, like during the week and mm. things like that. And so flexibility is such a different thing for so many different mm. people. With people working different hours or some starting earlier and, and all their different needs, how do you manage flexibility as a manager mm. or a leader of a team? How do you navigate that to make sure everything's done? What's your approach to managing? Yeah, it's communication largely. So everybody in my team knows I don't really need to know where they are physically. Mm. If they're not at their desk, then they're not here. <laughs> that day. I'm not concerned they're not working. We don't have that type of team where anybody is trying to dodge work or genuinely not interested. We've got a very committed team. And mm-hmm. I think think you do, that's the type of team you need to build, yeah. one that you can trust and you know are committed to doing the work and it will get done and it gets done to the right standard. Once you've got all that, and that takes time, mm. that's not going to happen over time, but once you've got all those sort of building blocks in place for how your team works, mm. then you sort of can just send a text, hey, are you around or what time works for you? Mm. And then we'll have a chat. And Mm. that might only, that's not every day. We don't talk to them all every day. We work in a national team. So people can be working across borders or physically be interstate or Mm -hmm. be at home working interstate because there's actually no one in our physical home office Mm. who they're collaborating with on that opportunity or that project that Mm. day. So it makes sense for them to stay at home and get a whole bunch of work done or they're yeah. going to do the kids pick up or whatever's happening that day for them, appointments and things. So trust is the main aspect and that communication. So if you need to know where someone is, ask them. Don't assume mm. that they're flaking out somewhere mm. because they, one, you know they're not. Yeah. And if they are, then why? Why are they part of your team? <laughs> and then that trust aspect that they'll come back to you and they'll also get completed what needs to be done. If it doesn't, then you have to have conversations as Mm. well. And that's part of leadership, difficult conversations. Mm. And you'll probably receive some feedback on how you maybe didn't support them as well as as you could have in their view as well. So you need to be reciprocate that conversation and and feel like it's gonna it can come back to you as well. And you might get a mirror held up to how things could go better from a leadership perspective. So Yeah. yeah. I always try to think, I suppose, the other side of the conversation, if you're coming into having to have a difficult conversation or if you think a conversation is really positive, mm. all sides of the story see it this way mm. and prepare yourself so that you can have a meaningful conversation with somebody who's important to your team. I want to talk more about that approach to management as well because a lot of the comments you get now, and I'm really curious to explore it a bit with you, is what about the people coming through with that experience? Mm. What about the people that need the mentoring and don't have experience? Mm. And I know that there are a lot of clients just looking to juggle flexibility and managing people with more of an outcomes approach Mm -hmm. and going, we trust you, you can do your job. But then also imparting knowledge to the people that maybe they don't have competence yet in the job to Mm. know everything, but they've got to get that information. So what advice would you give to someone? Because you're managing remote teams, right? Mm. And you'd have varied levels of experience. Mm. How do you still encourage that mentoring and training as well? I think for some people, what works well is set check-ins, if that makes sense. You know you're going to have me for an hour on a Monday morning. Therefore, that might help you to focus what you're going to get done on the Thursday and the Friday and then we'll catch up on Monday and we'll talk about what's going to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday yep. and then we can keep going in a bit of a rhythm like that and perhaps some will want more or less. Yeah, I've got people 
in my team who have requested weekly meeting mm-hmm. and it works really well for them and how they like to set up their week and others that are like, I'll call you if I've got a problem. Mm. And I'm like, that's perfect. Until that person calls me and I'm like, oh gosh, he's got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to answer it right now. <laughs> so it's that kind of individual operating rhythms, I think. But for more junior staff, like you say, it's a conscious effort that you have taken this person on or you require this type of person in your role and we need them in the industry and this Mm. is my responsibility Mm. to ensure that we're having Mm. regular, meaningful and the type of conversation that person needs so that they can progress and so that I can help them progress for the benefit of our team. You can't set and forget Mm. somebody that is trying to grow and somebody that you want to grow into the industry. That's just a conscious effort. That will be a different rhythm for that person and it will be much more hands-on. It will be maybe a little bit old school, old school being like three years ago before Mm. we really had our heads around how all this Mm. flexibility works a little bit more. But then those people, and I always have found this with grads over the last even 10 years, the working from home and the autonomy and that sort of level of trust that they also want from you because they see it happening at a management level. They expect to get a certain level of autonomy as well. Yeah. So then you need, as the leader, you have to have the foresight to set them up mm. so then they can go and do something for a week, two mm. weeks, whatever mm. that might be. And you need to give them a little bit of rope as well. Mm. I'm glad you talked about it too because I think it's an important discussion. I think so many people are stuck in how it was before. Well, you know, how are people going to learn because you've got to be in the office mm-hmm. beside each other and learning, but the reality is the landscape of work has changed mm. and the landscape of learning. You know, look at it now. You can get onto AI and just you've got access to billions and billions of pieces of information. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a learner-centric way of being able to, I mean, you've just gone out and done your own studies as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's access to people that want to learn and do studies and gain information in a, in a way we've never had before. So I think shuffling the way that people manage is, is really interesting and I think that you share some really good points there. One thing I want to talk about as well is the community because mm-hmm. one thing I've always loved about you is you give this sense of, you create this sense of community and you do it through NAWIC and you've done it now through the next, I'm very excited <laughs> about Springboard. So I really want to hear more around your vision for this because mm. I think you're amazing. You're doing your work and we all know juggling work and parenting. It is challenging for mums and dads, Mm -hmm. all of us, and then studying as well and then now this. So tell us more about this community you're creating. So I guess what happened about a year, maybe it's two years ago now, I kind of ramped it up on the social media, like you mentioned about my posts and things. And that's waxed and waned a little bit over the last sort of six months as well. But what I found is a lot of people were asking me how, how are you getting all of these things done or why do you do Mm. what you do or how did you get to be on boards or how did you get into construction? Just these kind of feel like a little bit 101. How do you juggle home life? How do you have time to go to the gym? So I'm just going to put all that out there because it ain't easy. (laughs) It's an absolute mess. And if I can show people the mess, then they'll realise it's normal And maybe they can add a little bit Mm. of what they might admire. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but what they might see that they would like to bring into their life from what I'm, the chaos I've created, (laughs) then that might help some people. That might help more women stay in the workforce. It might help more men to see what they can do to influence that for their partners as well or for themselves. Mm. So that was an initial kind of, push, I guess, out into the public, if that makes sense. Then 
with the Springboard Co., which thank you for mentioning it. So I founded the Springboard Co. with two friends late last year or middle to late last year. It took us a while to really, I guess, work out what it is we wanted it to be. Mm. But the way it started for me is I was driving to work one day and I thought to myself, really want to ramp it up. I really want to make this year epic. And this is something I always I always G myself up about this kind of <laughs> stuff. Put you in the car, G yeah, yourself. I've, I've got this. What song? Anyway, do you have a song playing? Well, normally I no, normally I'll have the radio off. Okay. And I haven't even realized it's off because my <laughs> mind's going so crazy and I'm like, you're a loser. You're just sitting in a quiet car here and you've you've come up with this whole entire thing. It's like Tony idea. Robbins is in your head, yeah, like really you know, much. just cheering you on. And the other place is in the shower. I'll yeah. often emerge from the shower and be like, that's exactly how I'm going to play that meeting today. <laughs> and then none of it will happen. He'll say this and I'll say this. So I was driving along in the car and I just thought, what I need, this is me thinking about, what I need to get to the next level, whatever that might be that day, is I need to go broader with my network is how I was feeling that day. I'm yeah. Like, There's a lot of really cool people out there doing really cool stuff. The same sort of concept that I felt like I might have been able to offer others that were asking me how Mm. was trying to think about who do the people I want to know how from? How did they do that? And then I coupled that with the theory of when you hear someone explain to you, this is what I did, or here's how I, this isn't it, but here's how I made my first million bucks, or here's how I bought three houses or something like that. When you hear those kind of self-help things, like, Say you were actually in close proximity to that person telling you that story and Mm. you had 10 minutes to follow up questions with them. Mm. How would you leave that room? And I think I would leave that room going, I could do those 10 things, but more how they relate to me. So, okay, she did this and that was her goal. My goal's over here. I could probably take three of those 10 things and employ them tomorrow. And then what would that do for me? I'm like, but I need to go meet that person. Mm. And then I was thinking, well, I don't know that person, but Lauren does or Mm. another friend does or another contact does. So we need to actually be kind of compounding the network Mm. so that we can all have greater proximity to success, which is what I started sort of terming it for myself. And that's what the Springboard Co. underlying concept became in the end. It was how can we create this opportunity where you get close to these stories of success, where you can actually network with that person, learn a little bit more from them and then plug them onto your network Mm. and then go forward Mm. and create a few more engagements and a few more opportunities to create those opportunities to learn and then the network keeps growing. And then like we were discussing, I was like, and we should do it on a Sunday with mimosas because that would just make it fun. <laughs> I was all about that. You said some, you had me at Sunday mimosas. Nana's already on call. I couldn't call Nana quick enough. I'm like, Nan, you're up. That was one of my, I'm like, if I do it Sunday, I just feel like it gives it a little shift. It might give yeah. it that more, a friendlier vibe where you can actually build that meaningful relationship with a person that's now, and then this is where this term came from, is now your mate. And so they're your mimosa mate. And so we're just <laughs> going to collect all these mimosa mates and we're going to share our stories of success together and just keep on growing and springboard ourselves to the next level. I love it. I was a huge fan as soon as you <laughs> told me about it because 
I thought as well, and I love that it's on a Sunday because, and we were talking about this previously, it can be hard. I mean, I've got children that like to do every hobby that you can mm-hmm. think of. My son's playing the cello. I am the mother. The cello. Yep. I'm the mother at 35 degrees <laughs> carting this damn cello to and from school. And the parents all like, you know, nod at me like, yeah. He's taken yeah, up the cello. It's like, yes, basketball, cello, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then drama, yeah, we're doing that too. So I think when you've got a full week, it's so nice to do something. And I think people need to give themselves permission because as much as networking is fantastic for your business, it's really good for your own personal mm. growth too. Mm. Because you can, sometimes you have, you know, and I love my friends, but you have the same friends forever. It's great to establish new other connections because every different connection adds something different to your life. Exactly. New way of thinking, mm. new new networks that you might not have been exposed to. So, mm. And I think that's so great to hear because what I found when I try to articulate the springboard concept, somebody picks up a different part of that that they realise might work for them or will probably help them do something they haven't always been able to go to the Thursday night networking drinks or the breakfast or whatever it might be. Yeah, this is different. It is on a weekend, but it will create a different feel in the room and probably what I'm hoping for is that different level of connectivity. It's more on that casual level. But we're going to be talking about some really great conversations, some really intelligent, smart people Mm. that we'll bring to the room. That's our job as Mm. Springboard. We'll bring them to the room and they'll become part of our network. And that's almost the commitment we're going to Mm. ask our speakers and our keynote addresses to do Mm. is you're now in this network. Yeah. This is the deal. (laughs) If somebody reaches out to you from this, especially when we move to our smaller, which will be our signature events of the actual boardroom brunches. Yeah. This is now your network that you've committed to letting you in Mm. and we're going to let you into our network as well. Mm. And then that's how together we'll all grow throughout the business world. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't even think of singing this whole thing. (laughs) We could have. We could have sung the whole episode. We've really missed a trick there. Mm. We're going again, Gil. (laughs) How about we wrap it? We'll wrap it. No, I wanted to talk to you as well around just a little bit more because we've touched on mentoring a little bit or more creating a community, but I'm also interested in talking about mentors because mm. I think that it seems to me, and I've had a lot of people lately asking me, who should I have as a mentor? How do you get a mentor mm. and all that sort of stuff? I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a big question. How yes. about I ask that on the podcast? Yeah. So tell, I guess, the audience a little bit around mentoring and I'm sure you mentor people and and you've had people mentor you, but some of the pivotal mentors you've had in your life and people that have impacted you in different ways. Probably never really had that formal senior mentor, Mm. if you like. I've had a lot of people influence me, my thinking, my career Mm. over the last 15 years. But never have I really made that single connection of this person that I'll call with every big life decision. It's Mm. probably a horses for courses kind of thing for me. There's certainly people that I would always talk to before big change or Mm. trying to navigate a few different little things. And I've got a few going on at the moment career-wise that I'm trying to just understand what's the best path for me Mm. and what does that look like. And there'll be probably two or three people that I'll have some pretty open conversations with over the next few weeks to just get there opinions and but they're not all professional people like I talk to my brother-in-law about certain things my Mm. husband is a big part of every decision that I make obviously because we try to live this life of (laughs) 50-50 parenting with two crazy (laughs) kids and I'm a little bit crazy so (laughs) it is hard and there's a lot of communication that has to go on there 
And when you think you're going to be asking that difficult question, should I do this? Because it could mean X, Y, and Z for us Yeah. now, but then this in the future, but maybe only this. Like the hard part, I can guarantee it's the good bit that's to come that might, may or may not happen. So need to have those conversations. But I think for me, I always talk about my parents teach me a lot about the work ethic that they brought to us and how hard they worked for to give us what we want. But really the things that drive me, I have those key conversations with those senior people that I found through work and some I've reached out to like a crazy person and asked if we could have coffee and catch up and I still can't believe they take my call. <laughs> uh, and then the others is watching my kids, understanding what's important to me. And generally I think I'm just trying to develop happiness Mm. or consistent happiness within our life and what does that look like and that's how I make all my decisions. Mm. So sometimes I talk about looking to my future self as my mentor, so where do I want to be and how do I then think that that got built up, but that's a complex way of doing it as Mm. well. I do like that. Yes, I think about future Lauren and if she looks a certain way or is achieving certain things, how did we get there? And if you take this fork in the road now that I was talking about before to be super cryptic. <laughs> I'm with you. What is she like and how does she yeah. how does she behave right now? And so I think about her a lot. I like to think about her like old granny in a robe, super relaxed. And I'm like, how did she get there and what happened there? <laughs> so really... I've probably done more mentoring than I have been the mentee, yeah. if that makes sense. I love the future self thing because that's a big thing because, you know, they talk about the power of visualisation mm. of going if you see yourself there and then if you see yourself, if you're using that future self as a way of, as a guidepost, then you can kind of know what to say yes and what to say mm. no to. Does this take me closer yeah. to the version of the future self that I want to be? Yeah. Or is it going to take me further away depending exactly. on whether I say yes or no to mm. that? So I think it's a powerful thing, especially for women in construction or probably in many other industries where you can't actually see that person that looks like you. You can't see that person that did what you did or is wanting to do what you're doing. Yes. They look a little bit different. There's a lot of people that are close, if that makes sense. or And that would be for everyone. That's just not women in a male-dominated area kind of thing. There's lots of people that can't see themselves. yeah. And that's why you've got to think, well, not I'm on my own here. I'm on my own to achieve what I need, but let's just ask for some help along the way. And that's where I think just that really broad network of different types of people, then you have to do the work yourself to draw little nuggets out of all of these people you trust and look up to and, and admire but then mould it into what that would actually be for you and use that. I love that because you can't always, so there's this idea with mentoring that it's somebody pulling you along with them, Mm. right? And then there's this idea that you have this person that you aspire to and you go, that's what I, what if that person isn't there? What if you're doing something that someone hasn't done before? What Mm. if you're in an, and I felt like this too, if you're in an industry and you look around, you're like, I want to do it differently, then that means you can't look to somebody else Mm. to go, that's the pathway I want to have. You have to go, what do I, I've got all this knowledge around me. What do I, what pathway do I Mm. want to create for Mm. my future self? That's it. And that's why it's kind of, you can't just be someone else. You don't just want to go and do exactly what that person did because I want to be that job. Mm. Because inevitably you'll misstep or you'll do something different to that person. You're always going to be your version Mm. of that. 
I mean, I guess you're not always going to be. You could make yourself somebody else, but that I wouldn't recommend that. I couldn't see how that would work. I always forget to be someone else. If yeah. I'm like, today I'm going to be like this. No, nah, yes. <laughs> it was just revert back to the same thing. I can't remember to change, so let's just stop trying to do that and evolve mm. on the path that you otherwise would have. I think that's so important when you're taking advice as well from, say, a mentor. Because I've always struggled, and we can talk about sponsors and champions and how they differ, I suppose, mm. but I've always struggled. You have a mentor. You want them to know the business that you're in. If you've got a work-related question, like for the actual organisation you work for, then you want them to be in the industry you're in. If it's an industry-based, then you want them to maybe be a parent because you've got this kind. So you really, you're not going to find a one-size-fits-all no. person. So it will be about drawing from all different people. And like I said before about family members. My sister said something to me the other day about, I was having a bit of a conversation with her about, and then she said something strange. And a few hours I came back to her, I'm like, you said something before. What did you mean by that? You said you would worry that that might be hard. What part of hard? And are you saying like as a parent, like a fellow parent or as my sister, or do you think organizationally? Or she's like, oh, I just sort of sounded hard. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just didn't want to, just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing a bit of advice there that, that might make me think a little bit differently. It did make me think differently in the end as well. So it's just about building all of that together. I've reached out to people to be a sponsor or mm. a champion of me inside an organization as well. And that was a good conversation, interesting conversation. Again, one, I would recommend you think about the different ways that question could go if you're asking someone quite senior in your organisation to yeah, champion you. tell me about that. It was a bit scary. It was a few years ago and I did write it all down first like in an email and I'm like, well, this is way too long. I'm going to have to meet with this person. <laughs> I love that you went, I'm going to try email first. Yes. I'm going to email this, <laughs> this request. Yeah. And then he came back to me and he's like, this all sounds fine but you're going to have to explain it to me because I did it in a meeting request originally. So yeah. two lines, here's what I want to talk to you about, let's catch up. And then we had the conversation and that all went well. And then I was able to create this relationship where you have this person in the room when you're not in the room, if mm. that makes sense, these senior people that can champion for you. If something comes up and what you're asking them to do is think of you when an opportunity arises that maybe is a good fit mm. in that room where perhaps... There's 10 other senior leaders doing that same thing mm. for a bunch of people they know. Mm. So it was, it was good. It's not like I can attribute one single thing to that act, but probably more just the relationship I built with that person who's a senior leader in, in our industry was great and is still great. So it's just that was a really random day, Monday, I'm going to ask this person to champion me. And that's a little bit about how it all kind of unfolds in my brain sometimes, I think. I just love that you've got that confidence and ability to just kind of, because the greatest things happen when you put yourself out there. There's something so, I don't know what it is. It is admirable even or inspirational about someone that goes, you know what, I really want you to champion me and I'm coming to you and I believe that mm. this is something that if you help me, then it's going to be worthwhile for you. And I'm willing to come and plead my case. And I think that you doing that and people hearing you do that encourages more people mm -hmm. to do that. And especially women in a male-dominated industry, I think it's good to have, put yourself out there and get, and, and so often, like, 
Nine times out of ten, the person will be, of course, yeah, I, I'd love to. I already to, do yeah, or something like yeah, that. Or, I didn't, or maybe I didn't know that you wanted mm. this role or I didn't know that that was your future mm. career pathway and now I do know. Mm. That's in their mind then mm. for other opportunities. So tell me about confidence, right? So mm. this stuff that you're doing, there's a lot of confidence that it takes or strength of mind to go, okay, the show, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Yes. Or going in and going, I want you to champion for me. So how do you develop that mindset? Mm. Tell us more about that. So I guess what I do, because it's not always there and I've had those conversations go a little bit the other way or, or maybe not me, how about I recommend this other senior female leader for you and that oh, that's, yeah. whilst that's great, that's also not the intent of the conversation I wanted to have. So sometimes things don't always go well. I guess and to the coming out of the shower or whenever you're, people always have the version of themselves that is the most confident or the most ambitious, if you like, and maybe that's the second you wake up or when you go to bed and it's because you don't plan to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to go to bed and you're like, tomorrow, this would be it. I'm going for a run, right? So not that. So say it's tomorrow, I'm going to send that email about that person, ask them to be my mentor. I'm yeah. going to reach out to them on LinkedIn or I'm going to do this crazy thing. And then in the morning you wake up and you're not. You don't feel that way anymore. But the next night or in three more nights when you go to bed, you think about that again and you're like, I'm actually going to do it. You have to do it at that time when you feel that confidence or when you feel that ambition and you're like, I'm going to do it tomorrow, don't do it tomorrow. Do it right then while you're feeling it. Yes. And so this is sort of me with my delayed emails. So I wake up early like crazy person at 3 o'clock and I'll do emails for two hours, send them all at 7. But that's like my real like, (laughs) today I'm going to be amazing at this and I'm going to do all these things and I send them all. And maybe 8 o'clock Lauren doesn't really feel as confident. (laughs) As 3 a.m. Lauren was because I'm, like, killing the day. I'm up before everyone. Like, look at me. And then by 8 o'clock, I'm like, it's like my 12. I'm, I've lost it. But those emails have gone because mm. ambitious Lauren sent them. So there's got to be some way of harnessing the ambitious you and forcing it on the sluggish you, if you like. And then even sort of today, wake up this morning, so... This is the hardest part about being ambitious or confident or putting yourself out there is when you don't feel those things. Mm. You're like, if I don't have that, if I don't have the drive for my career, and sometimes I feel like this, if I don't have my drive to go and network or to meet new people or to excel in something, Mm. then what have I got? That's like my whole shtick. That was my thing. And then I'm not feeling it today. Mm. Have I lost it? And you haven't. It's just you can't stay high vibe all the time. No. I used to think I could, but then sometimes just the world will just knock the absolute wind out of you mm. and you're like, I'm low vibe and you might be low vibe for a few days. So today I literally got dressed for the gym, drove halfway there and turned around. Now I've never done that before, Wow! but I was like, I am not feeling it today. If I don't turn around now, it's five o'clock on a Monday morning. This could last all week. Yes. So, and I was like, and I need to go see Lauren today. I've got to do this podcast and I need to sound high vibe. And I'm feeling really not. Yeah. And so I just went home and I text my husband. I'm like, just so you don't freak out, I'm on my way back because you're going to think someone's breaking into the house or something. And I knew I would beat myself up for doing that. But at the same time, actually, now that I'm talking about it, I feel like that was the right decision to make that morning, Yeah, this morning. So because now I'm feeling really good having this conversation with you. Mm. And then I know when I get back to the office, I'll be in that high vibe thing Mm. and I should do 
whatever the thing is I tell myself I definitely need to do. Mm. Uh, so I feel like being confident or being ambitious or really wanting to see great things for yourself and the people around you can be a double-edged sword in that if you lose that, mm. then I feel like I've lost everything. Mm. So how can I harness it when it's good and utilise it as much as I can? And that's without delay, I think. I think it's about allowing yourself permission to have days when you don't feel on. And, and I never used to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know what else it is as well? I thought I really resonate with what you say about the 3 a.m. because getting children ready for school, you know, you think you're in control of the day and then your small humans get up. Yeah. They also believe they're in control yes. of the day and time mm. and doing things. And there's, so there's that certain, I don't know, if other parents do it better, great. Send me a message, yeah. tell me how it's done. <laughs> but that getting ready for school, you know you've got to be somewhere, they've got to be somewhere, you've got all this stuff to remember, it's chaotic, mm. right, of those two hours. So I think it's really clever that you know to get ahead of the day. Mm. I've heard that saying, run the day or the day runs you, you mm. know, so you're getting up beforehand, scheduling those emails. But then I think it's really good that you're honest that some days, you know what, it's okay to feel flat. Mm. And I think there's that pressure that we put on ourselves to go, if you're driven and you've got this idea and vision of yourself mm. as this driven trailblazer person mm. that comes out and just wins the day mm. and achieves all these things. And it's like, well, it's not always possible to do no. that every day. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to go home from the gym and like get back into your pajamas yeah. and have a coffee and lie in bed. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's what happened. And I think the other thing that probably sometimes can get me is that not everyone's a lot, like on board with you winning the day. Does that make sense? Yes. Not even just the little people that are, you know, obviously undermining, like white-anting you constantly. <laughs> it's just like one big gaslighting all morning. But there's other people that will think you're too much or will, yeah. will find that maybe it's threatening. I don't know. Maybe for some it isn't threatening. They think they're genuinely helping you because, like I say, in construction there's a certain level of probably conservatism that generally we have, mm. not just through innovation like we were talking before, but there's behavioural things that people are more mm. used to seeing and it's not this, it's not springboard, it's not a lot of posting on LinkedIn and those sorts of things, but it could be. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to be like that and it doesn't mean that everyone has to be conservative. We can just have a balance of different types of people. Yeah. And some days I won't feel like doing that. And mm. I'll feel like, hey, we need to knuckle down and get this thing mm. sorted. That is the nine to five. Why does it matter if you spend a few hours on either side being ambitious, confident and excited for your, the next 50 years you're going to spend in this bloody place? <laughs> you know what it is as well? And I think people need to talk about the shadow side of doing something different or creating something. It's criticism. Mm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how confident you are, no matter how much you believe in what you're doing, if it's different and if it's different to your industry and if it's different to the people around you or what other people are doing, you're going to cop a lot of mm. flack and mm. a lot of criticism. And I still think that's a hard thing. Mm. It is. And luckily I don't openly, like I don't get a lot of negative comments and mm. those sorts of things because I don't post anything that controversial. I yeah. always am super supportive of the construction industry, the people I work around with, my organisation because they are excellent and everything's just positive. Mm. Good news stories mm. only. I don't set out to sort of uncover anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all positive stuff. It's just that perception of what then people assume yes. about you because you've chosen to do that. Yeah. And I'm probably okay with that because mm. as long as I'm not doing anything harmful, being authentic to my 
what I believe in, what I think is good leadership, good news stories or good information for people to have that might cease a part of themselves in me and what I'm doing, then yeah, I don't think anyone can really tear that down too much. No. And I love the realness. And I think people that are working in any industry and in any role, and especially in leadership role, the realness is something that people can relate to. Mm. And people can go, you know what? Guess what? Lauren didn't want to go to the gym this morning either. So the fact that I'm feeling really flat and even though I want to do great things, is okay. Mm. And I'm okay to have flat days mm. and feel that way. Yeah. So I think it's good to be real. Mm. I love that about good. you. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the other things I want to talk about is your proudest moment in seeing someone build a door or create an opportunity in their own life. So as a leader, is there a story or something that stands out for you where you've seen someone achieve great heights or build an opportunity for themselves? There are. I'm trying to think how I can tell a story without outing them. I think the easiest or the best way to help someone else create what they want to achieve is ask them what they want to achieve. Don't assume. Mm. What I find we often do with a lot of people is we pigeonhole people very, very easily. Yeah. And we say, oh, that he's only interested in working on this type of project or she's only interested in being in a team that looks like this. They won't travel or they won't they're not mobile, all these certain things that mm. we make up either because they told us once a fair few years ago something they were looking for, mm. they're a certain age, they've got kids or whatever it might be. But if you're not regularly checking in with those people to ask them, hey, what do you see next for yourself? How do you think this might look? Mm. Could it be X, Y? And genuinely having those real conversations with them and not going off something that they told you in their either their initial interview or that time your boss made you talk to them or <laughs> whatever it might be, yeah. you're not going to help that person achieve anything and they will leave Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So like I said, I've got a team of all different capabilities and most of them have been in the industry longer than myself. So we have pretty open, genuine conversations about what do you see next for yourself? Is it here? Like, can you see it here in this team that we have? Can I facilitate it for you? Or do we need to go find someone else that can help us facilitate it mm. for you? Obviously, we're trying to do this all with the one organisation because we don't want to lose good people. And everyone has a version of good inside of them. Mm. It's probably that they may be mismatched with the role that they're trying to do or the role, yes. the role changed around them mm. and they didn't evolve with it as mm. they maybe thought they would or mm. you expected them to and therefore now they're mismatched mm. or they've outgrown or they haven't yet grown into. Mm. So you need to be having those conversations with them. And we've seen, or I've seen members of my team do really great things this year because they just said, hey, this is actually what I think it looks for me. And then we were in some ways lucky that that opportunity came up mm. and we could put that person directly into that role. And they're doing excellent things and it's doing great things for their brand internally mm. and it will compound from there. As long as we keep checking in with that person because then again, There'll be a shift around them that that might not be, mm. they might not still be building. And we want to make sure that everyone's still developing. So as long as you're having that conversation and then one of my other things is people need to be actively telling people what they want. Mm. So, yes, we need to go and ask, but you should also not wait to be asked. You need to make sure you're telling people of influence. It's kind of like a champion story. I'm always very conscious to ensure that my supervisors or people in positions of influence know what I want and how I can see them helping me mm. to achieve that. 
And then you need to expect, like I say, always expect the other side of the conversation. They might give you feedback as to why that's not it for you Mm. now Mm. or ever. I would be hesitant to say that. But what does it look like? What do I need to plug? Where's the gap? How could it? How do I get there? And make sure that those people are the people that can help you do it Mm. or introduce you to the people that can help you do it. Mm. And that's that two-way conversation about go and ask everyone what they want Make sure people who can help you know what you want. Yep. And that's the door, right? Yep. Yep. Or many doors. Yep. I love it. I love it. I do want to ask you one more question before we go into Rocket Round, and it's an important one and it's the big one. What would you like to see change in the industry by the time you retire? What is the legacy you'd like to Mm. see? I thought about this and I couldn't think of one thing, but then I did think maybe we don't have International Women's Day anymore. Maybe we don't need that mm. because yeah. we're 50-50 everywhere and we don't need to be focusing in that place. But then I was like, I don't really want to give up that much. <laughs> I, like I that still line. like having International Women's Day, but it will be different. It won't be about awareness or how we can support women to enter into or support businesses to accept women or any of that sort of thing. It will just be a celebration that we got there. Yeah. So we're on to the rocket round because Gil's given me the eye. I could talk to you all day. So I've mixed up the rocket round a little okay. bit this time just to keep it fun. Um, and just a slight change up for a bit more value. So what is the book that's had the most impact on your life and why? I've never read a book, so none. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> Audible? No? No. 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 Not a reader? No. I love it. Te- yeah, it's terrible. Just it's not your thing? Never have I ever read a book. Textbooks, yes, but n- no. Oh, well, that's an easy answer. Very slow reader. <laughs> I've tried actually to teach myself speed reading. Yeah. Yep. Seems okay. Oh. As long as I don't need to have to know the whole concept. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Okay, so favourite holiday destination? Gold Coast, Coolangatta. Yeah, love it. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Shapeshifter, like Mystique from, <laughs> oh, what's it? X-Men. Shapeshifter. But yeah, so she know- can become anyone. So I could look like you and yeah. walk into your office and and I just think, <laughs> I think not in a dodgy way, more from that empathy, putting yourself in somebody else's oh, shoes way. Yeah, that's clever. I love that. And see how people respond to you in a different shape. Um, share with us a quirky fact about you that most people don't know. So I couldn't think of this, but I'm afraid of the sun and the dark. What? How are you afraid of the sun? It gives you wrinkles and okay. cancer. Oh, okay, that is true. Actually. It's frightening. <laughs> yeah, it, that's like actually more terrifying. And then the dark, you don't know what's, yeah, what's there. The dark, I've just always hated the dark. Me too. I used to like turn a light on and then run. And I used to run up the stairs so quick and think someone's going to grab my face. I still probably do that, like, you know, so. <laughs> and if you had a magic wand and could make one change in the world, what would it be? I thought about this and I thought about making adoption easier for parents and then I went one hour a day chocolate milk comes out of the tap. So I had to. (laughs) One hour a day chocolate milk comes out of the tap. You know, that would make everyone happy. What podcast are you listening to right now? I listen to, very sparingly, a podcast called All In with Ali Ivory. All In? Yeah, yeah. I've got so many to listen to from this guest. And what makes you feel like you're home? Slippers. So I have winter slippers and summer slippers. Okay, nice. 
Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've loved chatting with you and so much so that Gil's like, wrap it up, Lauren's. So tell us how we can support you, learn more about Springboard Co. Mm -hmm. What can we do to support you? So the Springboard Co, we have our first event in March, which I think might be a bit late by the time we finish this, but we will have events throughout the year. So follow on LinkedIn and Instagram, and you can follow me on Instagram and on LinkedIn, Lozdog2000, and Lauren Hickey on LinkedIn. That is the best way to support everything that I'm doing there. And, And please just reach out, like I said before, around creating that network and that opportunity to communicate with all different types of people. I'm always very responsive. If anyone wants to have a chat, I'm happy to. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We will as well share and make sure the listeners can hear about your next event as well. Yes. So hopefully we can tie it into an episode and great. yeah, share your event and get you some more people to come on because I think it's a great initiative. Perfect. So. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for Lauren. having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.